Last week, you know, we shared just a little bit, and we talked about throwing out the nets. And, and tonight, the, the message title is Light of the Light of the World. Really, truly, we talk now about shining our light. If we're going to throw out our nets, we're going to shine our light everywhere that we go. And, and I'm always reminded when I talk about being the light of the world and all of those things that come maybe in, out of Matthew chapter 5, when, when I think about those things, I, I, I remember when I, I do it about every year. Now, if you've got little, there are no little kids in here, so we're good. But when, don't do this. When, when I, at Christmas time, I see how many lights I can put in my mouth. For fun, you know, it's a good time. Nobody's gotten killed yet, so it's all been good. But every now and then, you know, I'll wad them up and I'll shove them in my mouth. And if you turn off the lights, you can see the light in your cheeks. If you get enough of them in there, you can see the light through your cheeks. Now, I know I, everybody's just thinking, well, how's this idiot still alive? But, I, but, I, but I've done that. So, you know, every now and then, I just, it's kind of fun. You know, it's, it's funny. People laugh and nobody's died yet, so it's okay. But uh, I'll stop. Apparently, it's not something I should be doing. But, but it, it allows me, you know, you've got to let your light shine. And too many of us are trying to keep our mouth closed. You know, we're trying, to, we're trying to keep the light on the inside. We're trying to hold back in places and, and not necessarily shine. But I'll tell you, the light's much better as it shines out than if you try to keep it in. You try to keep it in, it's dangerous. <laughs> Get the light out, you know. I mean, take those bulbs out and sh- let them shine the way that they're supposed to shine. Last week, we shared a little bit out of Bill Winston's message that he shared at, at Word Explosion, just a little bit in the beginning about, you know what? In John chapter 2, it's the story of the water made wine. And, and the man, the master of the feast, and, and they brought the wine to him, and they drank it, and they said, wow, you saved the best to the last. And we said, well, you know what? What if? What if God did save his best for the last? What if we're in, like Caleb said, we've been in the last days since Jesus came, but, but what if we're in the last part of the last days and we're ushering in the, the presence of Jesus, his second coming into this earth? What if he did save his best for last? That means he saved you for last. That's, that's a good thought. That's like a revolutionary thought right there, that he, he saved me until this time. I could have been born in the 1400s. I probably would have died quickly because there's a lot of work there. But, you know, we didn't, we didn't have iPods and phones and, and, and air conditioning and all the things that make me run. But, you know, I, but we could have been born any time, but God saved you to be born right now. Amen. See, that, that, that was, that's a great thought. And, and we said that if that's the case and he's put us in this place, then, then, then we've got to be about the Father's business. If he saved the best to last and then we believe that this is the last, then we need to be the best because that's what he created us to be. And that the harvest is the thing that really it matters to God. In, in John it says, the fields are white for harvest. And, and we believe that in this church. I hope you believe that in your life too as well. But, but the fields are ripe for harvest. And, and I think sometimes, and, and this isn't a, you know, we have, we have responsibilities and we have things to do. But I think many times I, I fall prey to it. I get, I get busy with all the stuff going on here and I, I forget about the people who are out there. You know, this morning Sandy called and told me all these things were going down at the hospital, and I was thinking, man, I don't, I don't you know, I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have time to run over to the hospital. Well, this lady, was, she was dying. And there are people who are part of this family who, who, who don't know Jesus. And who's going to go and who's going to be that light? You know, if you're busy about the things that you have to do, but ignoring the harvest that's right in front of you, then what are we going to say when we end up in the right spot with Jesus? You know, is he be, going to be able to say to us, well, good, or well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you're going to say, well, I built my house and I did these things. But he said, yeah, but what about all the stuff that was out there? I filled my vat and I filled my, my silo full of everything. But he said, why did you, why did you die with it empty? Why didn't, or full, why didn't you die with it empty? Why didn't you give it away? And in your life, we said that God's placed talents and gifts on the inside of you. He knows what you want to do. Now he's put you in a place to go do them. 
And that in our life, we need to die empty. We need to die without those things on the inside of us. That everywhere you... Does it, has it ever felt to you? And you've probably said this. I've given... I mean, I don't have any more of me to, to give. Your kids are asking. You know, your boss is asking. Your husband or wife is asking. The people down the street, your cousins are calling you. And you're thinking, I don't have any more to give. Well, you're still here. And you still usually give a little bit more. There's always a little bit left. And if you'll give God that little bit, then what does he do? He lays that last forever. Ask the widow. You know, she had that little bit and said, I'm just going to go in and I'm going to make my cake and I'm going to die. And the prophet said, why don't you give it to the prophet first? Make the cake for me and then what you have won't run dry. And what she had didn't run dry. So in your life, when you feel like that, when you say, I just can't give any more, well, yeah, you can. Give to the Lord. And if you give to the Lord, then he'll be able to make sure that that sustains you in the place where you are. And today, after we get through the nets, then we have to talk about, you know, bringing them, bringing them in. And what draws, what draws gnats? What draws mosquitoes? What draws the bugs? What draws all those things? The light does. So now you're thinking, well, I don't want to be a light because I don't want those people to come to me. Because gnats are awful and mosquitoes bite you and we try to hide from all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you what, the light that's on the inside of you will begin to draw people to you. It says so in the Word. And as they draw to you, what do you do? Throw out the net. It's not a hard message. It's not a difficult principle. We could say amen and we could pray and we could all go home and, and watch spin the wheel. We've got enough time to make that. You know, we could do it at 715 that's the idea, that you have a light on the inside of you. And maybe the messages are backwards. Maybe we should talk about a light before we did the nets. But God told me to talk about throwing the nets in Luke in chapter 5. And then Sarah got up and talked about what on Sunday? Throwing the nets. See, and now today, what are we going to talk about? Being a light in this world. Shining. Beaming. Peter got up, and when he said that, when he spoke those words in Acts chapter 2, as he got up and he preached that, and he said that this is the book, you know, this is written out of the book of Joel, this is the prophecy that your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men, young men will dream, dream dreams, and dream visions, and, and all of those things. 3,000 people got saved that day. We said last week he didn't have time to make a sermon. That just came out of his heart. So when we're in these places, we just allow God to move in our lives, allow him to do those things. But you've got to shine. You have to shine. You don't have a chance. It says in Jeremiah chapter 12, and I use this verse all the time. It's chapter 12, verse 5. And, and it says that, that really, here's the deal. If you think you're busy now, that's kind of what it says. It did, and that, then it just dot, dot, dot. If you think you're busy now, if you think you have all you can do now, see, if, if you're already at maximum capacity now, then what's going to happen later? See, what, what are you going to do if, if you have said to God, this is all I can do? If you've screamed out in the night or you've said that to yourself or you've walked away mumbling that under your breath, well, I've done everything that I can do. This verse says, well, okay, if that's where you are, what are you going to do as, it gets, if, as the situation gets bigger, as things grow faster? And we know that because many of you are... are, are are, are older, and so we know that, that the world is moving very quickly. That it was just yesterday that we were 28, or it was just a few years ago that Rachel was in elementary school and she's in college. I mean, I've seen some of your children go from being this big to being this big. You have three or four of them, and I continue to call the last one the first one's name. That's how I don't get older. I just replace them. So if you have one, have another. Because when that one gets to be like eight, I can just go back to the next one and say, this is who this is. And then I never feel older. 
It works for me, so you can try that if you want to. But it says in verse 5, chapter, chapter 12, verse 5, and this is the message. It says, So Jeremiah, if you're worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think that you can race against these horses? And if you can't keep your wits during the times of calm, what's, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan in the floodplain? When it's flooding, what do you think is going to happen? And, and, and I believe this. That, that as you continue to give those things that are on the inside of you, as you continue to plant that seed, as you continue to pour yourself out, as you continue to be a light, as you continue to cast your net, God will continue to, to push you along in this thing. And then Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So as you do these things, realize that you do them in joy. Not just a cheerful giver with your finances, but you're a cheerful giver of your life, enjoying where you are and what you're doing and who he called you to be and what he called you to do. And then as we do that, see, the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. Then we don't say, I, don't, I can't do it, I'm too tired. Because we're doing it in His joy, and now all of a sudden we've got more strength. Now that, I think for some, it's that idea that says, man, all of a sudden this is not about me. Well, it's not. It's not. And, 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 but I'll tell you what, if you make it about Him, He makes it about you. And it's a whole lot better if He makes it about you than you make it about you. I'm much more fulfilled allowing him to make it about me than when I try to make it about me. I try to get my day all set up. Have you ever done that like it's your day? And you've been looking forward to your day for a long time and you've been like thinking of all the things you're going to do on your day? And like you're like, oh yeah, then I'm going to get my toes done. Not me, but you know, if you're, you're going to get your toes done and get your fingernails done, all that kind of stuff. Dan gets his fingernails done, not me. But it's true. It is, it is true. But anyway, he's, it's, it helps him. He used to bite his nails, so that's why. But he gets a nice little... When, he walk, when that girls walk in and they see Dan getting his fingers done, it's different. But anyway, he's over there to, with your children. <laughs> but <laughs> have you ever been there, you know? But you're building up this day in your head to be something really special. And you're trying to do everything you can to make your day really special. And you're thinking of all the neat things. And then all of a sudden, about halfway through the day, it's not going that way. And you're not getting to all the things that you thought you would get to. And you're not getting to do all the things that you thought you would do. And, and the day that you got to plan for you, at the end of the day, somebody said, well, how was your day for you? And you're like, well, it was okay. And everybody else looks at you like, but that, but that was your day. And you go, yeah. And then on the other side of things, how many of you have given your day to the Lord and done the things that He wanted you to do? And then at the end of the day, you've been tired, not weary, but tired. But then all of a sudden, God makes it about you for a while. That's something you can't figure out. That's something you can't plan. That's something you can't do. And as you stand out in this world, because the light that's on the inside of you, you're going to put yourself into positions where God's going to have to come through. I think that's fantastic. He can do things for you that you can't do. He can make things for you that you can't make. He can open up doors for you that you can't open up. But we've got to be able to, to be the person that he called us to be. We have to shine. You have to stand out. It says in Matthew 12 that we're supposed to be changed and transformed. That means we're going to be different. We're changed and transformed by the renewing of our mind to the Word. And because the Word's on the inside of you, you are a different critter than all the rest of them that are out there. And because of that Word on the inside of you, it changes you. It transforms you. 1 Peter chapter 2, right? He says that you're a chosen generation, a holy people, His own special folks. He has set us aside. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He wants you to be the most fantastic thing. He didn't make you and He doesn't want you to be like everybody else. We try to blend in. We try to wear like, you know, the drapery shirts so that when things start working out, we just kind of blend into the drapes. 
you know, like the Pink Panther movie. I knew my sister was laughing at that. She's watched it like 400 times. You ever seen that? Pink Panther with, with uh, yeah, Steve, Steve Martin. He has an outfit, leotard outfit, the same color as the drapes. <laughs> Never mind, you got to go home and watch it. It's funny. <laughs> but that's what we do in our life. God didn't call us to, to blend in. He didn't call us to hide. He didn't call us to wear shirts that look like the drapes. He called us to, 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 to stand out. Wear a bright neon shirt that flashes and, and get a headlight thing that goes like this. And I mean, That's who you are. You are different than everybody else. I'm different than everybody else. See, we're supposed to love our enemies. That's different than everybody else. We're supposed to be the ones who, who have faith when nobody else does. That's different. We're supposed to be the ones who say we can when it looks like we can't. We're supposed to be the ones who say you can be healed by his stripes when the, when the doctor says something different. We're supposed to be the ones, see, we're supposed to be the ones who say you have an abundance in your finances when it don't look like anything. We're the ones who say plant seed out of your need and God will begin to meet. See, we're the ones who do all those different things. So then when we go outside the doors and, and we go outside of our house, then why do we, we try to blend in a lot? And I, I think it's very important that we don't blend in, that we don't end up like everybody else. If we're going to throw out our nets and we're going to bring in this catch, we've got to be in a place where we can fish. And that means we're going to have to be in a place where we can, where we can, can stand out. And look in, look in uh, Matthew in chapter 3, because I had to do this one time for Pastor Pam years ago. She was preaching a message similar to this as, as it goes. But it says in verse 1, it says, In these days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is, who, this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying out of the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Now that's different. It's different enough that they wrote about him. Now, he was the precursor to Jesus, and so there's a little bit more to the story than that. But he was so different that they didn't just say he was the one going about crying in the wilderness, prepare your hearts, and all those kind of things. They even went as far as to say he was the strange dude with the honey and the locusts, wearing the fur. I mean, they all, they know that's who he was, and they all, it says right after that, they all went out and got baptized by him. They all understood that, that, that he was the one who was coming to prepare the way for Jesus in that, particular, in that particular time. They understood who he was. They got it. But he was different. They didn't say the guy wearing the nice suit and wearing the tie and the nice shoes. This was the guy who, who was, was clothed in camel's hair with leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. He was a little different. It's okay to be a little different. You might not blend in with everybody else. But you get to prepare the way of the Lord. And see, John, that, John was doing that. He was preparing the way of the Lord. Well, whose job is to, to, to prepare the way of the Lord now? Us. Now, don't go out and get your camel hair shirt, and don't go out and get your crazy belt, and, and don't start eating locusts and honey. But, but what he did was... He ushered in the presence of Jesus. He was the one who came before. He was the one who cried out. He was the one who said, your ways are wrong. He was the one that said, make the crooked road straight. He was the one who prepared the way of the Lord. That's our job. That's, that's our job as the church, as the believers, as the Christians. Our job is to, to, to go out there and to prepare the way of the Lord. Everywhere that we go, are, are we bringing the word of salvation to the people whom we meet? Everywhere that we go, are we sharing that light that's on the inside of us? 
Try not to look past the person at the gas station or look past the person at Walmart or look past the person at your job or look past the person at school. Too many times we just go right by them and not remember who they were or what they were about. Not just the ones that God just all of a sudden, bing, but what about the other one? You know, are we going about preparing the way of the Lord in everything that we do? It says in Matthew chapter 5, and we know this verse because it talks about being a light. It says, believers are the salt and the light, but if a salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. See, and we're trying to hide, right? You know, we're trying to blend in. But it says, you're supposed to be the light. You, you can't hide. We can't, we can't hide. God's going to put you in places. He's going to put you in places where, where you're going to have to shine. If you try to put out your light, you just get burned, right? I mean, you got that little light, you're trying to touch it, and you're trying to put out all the candles with your fingers, it's burning you. Don't try to put out your light, shine. And you, here's our thought, and this is our, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. It says, as you go on, it says, normally they put the light underneath a basket. They put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That they may see your good works. It's okay. Do them. Do good works, because that's part of salvation in somebody else's life. It says that you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony and revelation. What you do is part of your testimony. What God does in the goodness of God, and we think the testimony is being the bad stuff. We think of the testimony as, you know what, I was a rotten sinner and I was doing all these things, but God changed my life. Yeah, that's a testimony. But also the testimony could be the fact that you given to God when you didn't have anything to give, and He blessed you and took care of you. You were doing right, and He came through. That's a testimony too. So either way you go about it, you get an opportunity to shine your light, be a testimony. And that makes a difference. It says in John 12, uh, John 12, 46, it says that he has come as a light into this world. And here's the thing, I think too many people believe, and we know that it's dark out there in the world. There's not darkness in you. I think we have to understand that as the church, and it's almost enough to give everybody a flashlight so that when you walk out of the building, you've got a flashlight, and you know that, that you, you live in darkness. You're not of darkness. That your house resides maybe in the world, so that world is growing darker. It says so in the Word that's going to happen. But your house is a beacon of light because you reside there. It says, it says, John 12, if you can put that up there, John 12, 46, it says that Jesus is come and He is the light. It says, I have come as the light of the world. Whoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. He has come as the light of the world so that whoever believes in him may not continue to live in darkness. That you don't continue to live. You don't have to live in darkness. You're light. When you get saved, there's a light that goes on on the inside of you. It's your spirit man coming alive. That's what born again means. Your spirit man is renewed and alive unto Christ. And at that point, there's a light, basically, if you want to think about it in terms that we understand. There's a light that goes on on the inside of you. And that light that comes on the inside of you is because of Christ alive on the inside of you. He is the light, and He has come to live in your heart. Therefore, there's not darkness, because where the light is, the darkness has to go. You can't turn on the lights and half the room be dark and half the room be light. We're all in light. And on the inside of each one of us is that light. Now what we have to learn to do is allow that light to grow brighter and to shine. And that is in that particular growing brighter and shining is our revelation of the Word of God and the truth that it is to us in our lives. That as you continue to, to, 
take the word of God, as you continue to learn about the word, learn about what he says, learn about the promises that are in here, learn how to live this in our life, then that light begins to grow brighter. It begins to grow stronger. It teaches us and shows us and helps us understand how it can shine. He directs it. He leads you and he guides you, it says, by his Holy Spirit. So he begins to direct your light into places where you need to go. He takes care of the light that's on the inside of you because it's his light and he put it there. But that's who you are. You're not darkness, you're light. And so we have to realize that. We have to understand that. And everywhere that you go, you either cover up the light or you allow the light to shine. That we have the opportunity to cover that light up or we allow that light to shine. Now, there are things that follow us. There are good things that follow us if we allow that light to shine. But if we cover that light up and we hold that light back, I think many times we put ourselves in a position where we're saying no to God and what He has for us. It may look like darkness all around you, but you know, you're not darkness. You're light. And when you come on the scene, and it could be the darkest scene that you've been in, you're the light in that scene. And I know many times we show up and we're looking for a brighter light. <laughs> we're looking for somebody else to show up with some light. So maybe we can put our two candles together and we can really brighten the room. And if God brings you another light, amen, get together. But if he doesn't, still shine. Eleven years ago, I shared a message about being a lighthouse. And uh, six, six truths about a lighthouse and the things that, that a lighthouse did. And, and I just felt to share with you just, just tonight, real quick, just four of those things. Four attributes of a lighthouse. Because I believe that we all are the homes, right? Our, our bodies are, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. They're the ho Jesus lives on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have the light on the inside of us. It said that He was the light into the world so that we would not have to live in darkness. The light is on the inside of us. And since that light's on the inside of us, then we're, we're basically walking around as a lighthouse. Now, don't bring me any lighthouses. I did this 11 years ago, and I had like 47 lighthouses. They were everywhere. I got posters, I got pictures, I got replicas, I got candy, I got everything was a lighthouse, and it was great. But then after about three years, that was, it was, I had a lot of lighthouses, and I didn't have any place to take them or put them. So, but, but here's the deal. You're a lighthouse, I'm a lighthouse. You're set in a place for a purpose. God puts you somewhere on purpose. We said last week that, that, that Bill Winston had shared in that message, he said he sets the righteous among the wicked on purpose. That a lighthouse, one of the attributes, a lighthouse is placed where it does the most good. In your life, you are placed where you do the most good. It may not be the place you thought it would be, but it's where you're going to do the most good. They don't put a lighthouse in Kansas. It's not on the prairie warning people of the dangers. Right? The, light, the lighthouse, we don't have one sitting out here somewhere. The lighthouse, you know, the lighthouse is set on the shores, on the coasts, in the places where the rocks are, where the waves get up, where the storms come, where the ships need guidance, where the ships need to know where to go, where people can get lost, where things can happen, where ships can be torn up, when there's destruction. Lighthouses are put in places where they can do the most good. So when you start thinking about your job and you've been trying to get out of that place, maybe God put you there because that's the place where you can do the most good. Maybe he's moved you to that neighborhood or he's put you in that. I'll tell you what, you, you didn't choose necessarily your family so you could be a lighthouse there. Some of you have been trying to get away from your brothers and sisters forever. Maybe God called you to them. 
Because I think sometimes you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't see that. I think sometimes we just feel like, why am I here? I should be in some place like church. Well, how bright would it be? We ought to wear shades in here because we're all lighthouses. I mean, you know, it's kind of bright. It's like, I don't even want to look at anybody. Just See, you gather them all together, and then we just, uh, what happens on Sundays? Your light gets, your fire gets stoked. Your light gets stoked. It starts growing brighter. It starts growing stronger. Why? So that when you go outside, you can shine. That it's not just one gigantic beacon coming off the roof of this place. It's all the hundreds of beacons of the people who are part of this church who live in their homes all across this city who light up those places. That you're lighting up your jobs, you're lighting up your schools, you're lighting up the, the, the stores and the mall and Walmart and all the places that you go. Now here's the thing and here's the deal. That's not easy to do. In the flesh, it's not always easy to do. To be different, to shine your light when you don't want to shine. To sit on the hill in the midst of the storm when all of it's raging and the wind is blowing and the hurricane's coming and all of it's happening. You still have to stand there and you still have to continue to shine your light. When you want to flee, when you want to run, when you want to get away, you have to continue to shine your light. It says, it says in the Word of God that you're supposed to love your neighbor. It says when somebody smacks you in the face, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. It says when somebody asks for your, 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 your tunic, give them your cloak also. It says don't just love the ones who are lovely. It says love the ones who aren't lovely because the, everybody loves the ones who are lovely. In the tough times, in the hard times, shine is what it says. See, when it's tough and people are against you, still love them. When they hit you in the head, turn your other cheek. Woof. That's hard to shine. You want to put the light away and you want to get at it. You know? Everybody says, well, what am I supposed to do when this happens to me? You're supposed to smile and turn the other cheek. Oh, I ain't going to do that. Then you ain't going to be blessed. I mean, it's, it's what the Word says. You're, you're positioned there for a reason. It might be three smacks. It might be four smacks. It might be five smacks. But you continue to shine. You continue to shine. You continue to shine. And all of a sudden, something breaks. And a life is changed. And a heart is turned to the kingdom of God. Then you're glad you, sh you shined. When you've done it and you've done it and you had, didn't want to do it anymore, but you kept doing it. And then all of a sudden you see the harvest on that seed. Then you're glad you didn't give up. Then you're glad you didn't turn around and run. Then you're glad you didn't smack them back. Because ultimately it's not about you getting smacked. It's about their life being changed. And you're the light that's in this world. Jesus came as the light into this world. He died on the cross and he went to be with his, his father in heaven. Then that light now resides on the inside of you. So now you're the light of this world. So now what are we going to do? It says the light that's set on top of the hill cannot be hidden. He's placed you and he's positioned you in a place where you're going to be able to do the most good. Shine. Shine. Another foundation, another attribute for a lighthouse is the foundation is firm. It's part of the growing. It's part of the strengthening of the light. It's part of that, it's part of that intensity that builds. But you have, you've got to have a foundation. They don't set it in quicksand. They set it on, on a big, gigantic rock. They build it in a place that, that the foundation won't crumble. 
And I think as believers, we have to understand that. We don't just run off and we don't just get into a place. Some people, you may have known some who got saved and they ran out and tried to do a whole bunch of stuff, but they didn't have any foundation on the inside. And they went back and they said, I'm going to share with all of my friends and I'm going to preach to all of them and I'm going to tell them what I found and what is true. I'm going to tell them about Jesus and how he changed my life. And then within a couple weeks, they're right there back there with their friends. Why? Because there was no foundation. You have to have a foundation. There has to be something that's laid. And the foundation that's laid in your life is the Word of God. It has to be based and founded on the Word of God. You have to know who you are in Christ. You have to know what His promises are. You have to know how to live by faith. You have to get out there and practice the Word. You have to get out there and live it in your life. You have to get out there and meditate it so that your life is transformed and it's changed. And as that foundation continues to build, and there's another rock, and there's another place, and there's another pouring here, and another mooring here, there's another... All of a sudden now you become this great rock and your foundation is strong. And so when those things come against you from your friends, now you've spent a year pouring yourself into the Word and allowing God to make a difference in your life. Your light is really beginning to stir and beginning to shine. It's not just some little flashlight that can barely be seen in the darkness. You've got one of those gigantic lights that shines all the way through the night on the inside of you. Now when you go back and God calls you to talk to your friends, you can make a huge difference because you won't be swayed. Because when those storms come and when the rains come and the hurricanes come, you're still standing because you're, you're standing on a firm foundation. In Matthew in chapter 7, it talks about that. And it says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and then what? Does them. See, whoever hears these sayings of mine and then does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and what? Does not do them. These will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell and great was its fall. It didn't just slip. It, it was destroyed. Great was its fall. And it's not in the hearing, it's in the doing. See, because it's the same guy. It's the same person. It says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and then the other one says, but, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, one ends well, one ends bad. But it's the same person. They heard the same word, but one of them did it, one of them didn't. And in your life, it's in that doing, it's in that living, it's in that regurgitating and, and eating the bread of life and going through all these things and meditating the Word. It's in that growing and doing that begins to build your faith and builds who you are and it builds a foundation. If you were in men's breakfast on Saturday, you know, Caleb shared a story about a missionary that he knew that was in Haiti that was, was building a house or building an orphanage. And uh, he, he had raised all the money to build the orphanage. And when he, when he started the orphanage, he started building it, he poured out the foundation and and God spoke to him and said, you need, you need to build a bigger foundation. You need to have a, a bigger foundation for this building. And he said, well, I don't, I don't, even, I don't have the money. I, I only have the money to pour what I have and to build the, the building that I have. And he said, no, you need, you need more. You need a greater foundation than this. You need to take all the money that you have and put it in the foundation. And he said, I, 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 I'm responsible for this money to build the building, but... But he had to be, he was responsible to God before he was to the people who gave him the money. So he said, okay. So he took all that money and he poured it into the foundation. So the foundation was, was much greater than, than, the, than the specifications in, in Haiti had ever called for. The, the foundation was strong. It was firm. It would support a building beyond, I mean, it was, it was, it was solid. It was way past anything else that was required of him in that particular place where he lived. But he just did what God said. 
And then these guys came and said, I want to check out the building because we gave you the money for the building. And he said, well, I've got a great foundation. <laughs> and they didn't quite understand, but he tried to share it with them. But then over a period of time, he raised the funds and he built the building on the building. And then he said he was in that building a couple years ago. And all of a sudden, everything started breaking loose in the country. And the, he said, literally, the place went up and down like, like that, up and down like that a few times for a couple minutes. Just kept continuing to go up and down the big earthquake that was coming through Haiti. And then when it was all finished and it was all settled, he, he went downstairs and he went outside and looked. And everything, as far as he could see, was destroyed, but his building wasn't. Because of the foundation that was poured, because of what God spoke to him and what God told him, it took a big foundation to withstand what was coming. In your life sometimes, you're continuing to say, well, why can't I go do, God, what do you have for me? You just keep asking me to study more. You just keep asking me to do this more. I don't have any opportunities. I don't have any place to go. God's saying, you've got to keep building your foundation. Big buildings require big foundations. And God wants to do something big in your life, and so your foundation has to be strong enough to support that thing. When you're a lighthouse, you have to be on firm ground. You have to be on firm foundation. The third thing is a lighthouse stands firm in the storm. That is, all of those things come and all of that stuff rages. You know, up and down the East Coast, as, as, as Hurricane Irene just came through and went all the way up through New York and New England, as all of those things happen, the lighthouses, you can go, they're still there. They've been there for hundreds of years, and many of them will continue to stay there for hundreds of years. They're not going to go anywhere. They last in the storm. One, because they're built on a firm foundation, but two, because they're, they're constructed well. They're built to last. They're strong. God built you. He made you to last. This is, they didn't just build that lighthouse for a weekend. They didn't just run out there and say, Irene's coming. We need to build a lighthouse. And then if it gets wiped out in the storm, so what? Those lighthouses are all up and down the coast. They're all there for a reason. And they're all still standing firm. Just like we talked about in, on being built and founded and, and on the rock. Another one, I guess, if you want to say it, I, I, I might have skipped it, but a, a lighthouse shines, shines brightest in the storm. It still stands in the storm, but shines brightest in the storm. I've been out, and have you seen a lighthouse in the daytime? It kind of makes your eyes, you kind of close them a little bit because it gets a little bright, but it, it's just like a reflection. There's not any light to it. But if you go in the middle of the storm, you're glad it's there. And I think sometimes we want to, we want to try to, to, to get around the storm or we want to go a different direction in the storm. God's put you there for a reason. You're going to draw men, right? It says so in Matthew chapter 5. It says that men will be drawn, right where we talked about, right where we read. Men will be drawn to your good works. The light that you're shining will draw men. The light in your backyard draws bugs. Love the bugs. Love those who bug you, if you want to say that. Because that's what it draws. I mean, think about it. Think about the people who are bothering you right now. Think about the ones who God's called to you. You've not wanted to say that, but, you know, think about it. Who's coming around your light? And you're thinking, man, if they would just leave me alone. Leave, lead them to Jesus. Maybe that'll make them leave you alone. <laughs> maybe that's what God... Maybe God's put them all around you. Maybe they're all coming to your light. How many of you have had somebody come to you and say, could you pray for my whatever? They don't like you. They don't like what you stand for. They may not like anything about you, but if they're in trouble, where do they go? To the light. They find you. They're in darkness. They're in great darkness. Yet, they, they, they're, they're looking for you. 
And you're thinking, well, I should've, you should have done what I told you six, you, I told you about this. But God says what? It's okay. Come here, let me pray for you. It's going to be all right. Pastor Bill wanted to smoke most of you anyway. He told you 10,000 times. How many of us, you know, I kept going to Pastor Bill, asking him the same question. He could have smoked me a long time ago, but he just went like this. It's okay. <laughs> Till the end, then he got a little feisty. So then, you know, he didn't go that direction. But, but, that's, but that's right. They come to you because you're the light. You've spent years trying to, to get to this place where you're shining and then people begin to come your way. They begin to see what's going on in your life. They begin to come to you, and then you begin to go like this. Man, why are these people bothering? What are, I can't get anything done. Well, the whole, the whole deal about the light was so the people would come. See, the whole, the whole reason that we're here, he's called you to do what you're doing, is so that when the people come, you can help set them free. You can lead them to Jesus. You can change their life. You've got a word for them that they need to hear. That the light shines in the darkness shines brightest in the darkness. And then the last thing is the lighthouse reflect, reflects light. You have to understand this. It's not you, it's him. He's the light on the inside of you. And you reflect his light. It's not really just a bulb, like we can think of a bulb just going around in a circle. It's a, it's a really powerful bulb that is focused into a mirror. And then that mirror reflects the light. That's what you see. You see a reflection of what is coming out of the bulb. You're reflecting what the light is on the inside of you. In your life, all we're doing is taking the, the brightness and the shining and the light of Jesus and allowing it to come out of us. That's all we're doing. It's not our business. It's not our thing. It says so in John in chapter 8, verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to them again, and he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That on the inside of you, you have the light of life. And now look in Isaiah chapter 60. You know, in verse 1, it says, Arise and what? Shine. Arise and shine. Now this is important. This is great because there's a part of this that we, we, we understand this light and we understand these people coming to the, you know, we just said in Matthew chapter 5 that people will come. They'll see the good works. They'll see all those things and they'll, they'll come to the glory. Basically, they'll come to you and you can show them about and talk to them about and teach them about and lead them to the glory of God because he's the one who's doing these things in your life. That's what Matthew chapter 5. But it says here, you know, in Isaiah chapter 60, it says, Arise, shine, for, your, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, dark, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And we think, yeah, that's good stuff. And it goes on, though, and it says, The Gentiles shall come to your light. And the kings to the brightness of your rising. And I think sometimes we're looking for all of these things to happen in our life. We're looking for our children to be saved. We're looking for things to be different. We're looking for finances to come. We're looking for all. We're, look, we're trying to ask God, what do you have for me to do? And if you read this scripture and you go on down through there, it, the blessing comes as you arise and shine. It gets better as you go. It's not just a, not just a arise, shine. It's arise, shine and see what will happen. Not just in the lives of the people who are changing as they come to the light, but look what happens in your life. It's just another verse that says, take your focus off of us or you and put it on somebody else. 
if you allow your light, it says, arise, shine. And then it goes on and it says, the Gentiles, in verse 3, shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Number 4 says, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together and they come to you. Your sons and your daughters will come from afar. And your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant. Your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian. And it just goes, it talks about all the blessing and all the good stuff comes to you. But you have to what first? Verse 1 says, arise and shine. Wherever you're placed, God puts you there on purpose so that you can shine. It's darkness all around you, but lighthouses shine brightest in the darkness. There's storms all around you, but you're based on a firm foundation, so don't worry about you. You will stand, but you will help others not wreck. Lighthouses go through the storm, but they help others in the midst of the storm. See, these are all things that this is who we are. These are the things that I complain about. These are the things that we, get, we, we don't like. These are the things that bother us. These are the things that we say, God, could you just get this out of my life so I can focus on what you really want me to do? And these are the things that he really wants us to do. <laughs> but that, I mean, this is, as simple, this is as simple as it gets. Last week, throw out the net. Give people opportunity. Get out there into a new environment. Get out there and do what God wants you to do. And this one says, just shine your light. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Huh? I mean, everywhere you go, even to that mean guy at the bank, that nasty guy at the end of your office that you have to walk by all the time who says nasty stuff. That one neighbor that always yells at your kids for doing whatever it is they do. All of those places that you find yourself and see yourself. Just think of that song. I'm going to let it shine. Let your light shine. So bright that the men will see all of the good works. And they will draw them unto you. And in turn, that's the opportunity to throw the net over them. Bring them to Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up together. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.